0: winning's hard really really hard well i didn't expect us to be in this situation monday after our podcast friday west scott but nonetheless here we are texas losing to kansas at home what a season man this this has been a lot of fun winning is really 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 hard uh yeah uh 57 56 final and overtime um if you're a texas fan you're still invested into this season kudos to you um i mean your mental health has got to be pretty bad right now or maybe you just don't even care anymore you're apathetic like uh like i am but tough game uh it's getting worse and worse for sark in in this first season but Scott, listening to his press conference today Honestly, it wasn't as depressing as I thought it would be. Everything he said uh, makes sense. I, I believe that you know, Sark is, is the right guy for sure. I, I think it's ludicrous to even think about firing him or, or putting him in the hot seat, but um, we, we can get into the injuries here in a second, but just from what he said today, maybe even, even Saturday or just in general, how are you feeling right now? Well, I think it's remarkable that there's even a little bit of
1: um, local or or national discourse about Steve Sarkisian's job security. Um, You know, five game losing streak for the first time since 1956. That was the last year that Ed Price coached at Texas. Team went one and nine and ended up hiring Daryl Royal. Um, But, you know, in terms of Sarkisian, the bottom line is that Texas invested a lot of money in him. He has a fully guaranteed six year contract above $30 million. Um, so there, you know, there's just no way that that Texas would um, decide to eat the amount of money that it would take um, to fire him after this season. But I think, you know, just in, in looking back at this, obviously the last loss to Kansas came in 2016. That was on the road in Lawrence, Texas had never lost to Kansas before at home. Um, you know, but sort of the the easy way to, to spin that game as a positive was that it made it very clear that the Charlie Strong era was over. I don't think there that there are really any major positives like that that are possible um, of taking out of this game, especially considering that it happened in front of a lot of the top remaining targets in the 2022 recruiting class, um, including key offensive alignment targets like Cam Dewberry, uh, Devin Campbell, And then Kelvin Banks, the Oregon commit, um, was in town as well. So, you know, certainly the the Texas staff has some serious work to do in trying to convince those players um, to come to Austin and, and help
0: rebuild this program after what they saw at DKR on Saturday night. And no one's decommitted yet. I haven't really been on top of the message boards looking at uh, rumors from after the weekend, but I mean, obviously there's a long ways to go in the recruiting season. Uh, Signing day is coming up, early signing day uh, next month. No decommitments yet. Do you think that's a, a surprise after this week or do you think we're gonna see a lot more changes before early signing day with this recruiting class? I think it's definitely something to watch uh, over the next month.
1: I think, you know, we can get a little bit caught up in in the week-to-week results um, and how they impact recruits. Um, You know, so far, I think Texas has probably been a little bit fortunate that there hasn't been any significant fallout so far, although, you know, certainly um, Evan Stewart's recruitment uh, the former Texas wide receiver commit, uh, guy with the type of speed that that's Steve Archizden uh, really covets at the wide receiver position, um, he's trending to, to Texas A&M right now. He seemed like a guy a couple weeks ago who was really just looking for you know any any reason to really get back in the fold with Texas, and um, now that may be in in a little bit of danger, um, you know. But certainly uh, potential decommitments, uh, something to watch here in the next couple weeks heading to early signing day.
0: And the one thing about that Evan Stewart uh, recruitment is that Sarkin use Xavier Worthy and Marcus Washington, who had a great game against Kansas, as two examples of like, hey, you come to Texas, we're going to get you the ball. Worthy, freshman, again, Xavier Worthy, the only player Sarkisian brought to Texas this offseason. Inclu- not including the transfers, but the only recruit coming out of high school worthy the hundred fifty two yards against Kansas 14 receptions Three touchdowns Marcus Washington five catches a hundred yards two touchdowns So even in the loss to Kansas I don't know if it's if it's a it's a the positive But he can still show the tape to Evan Stewart and be confident that hey, we might have lost this game defensively But on offense, you're gonna be a star. I think that's uh,
1: I think that's definitely um, the, rep- the recruiting pitch Uh, No question. And, you know, Xavier Worthy uh, doing a lot of favors to the future wide receiver recruiting and also, um, you know, impacting the upside of this team moving forward. We talked a few weeks ago um, about his potential. He broke um, broke the freshman touchdown record uh, for Roy Williams in that game. He's had a couple of touchdown catches uh, that the Texas quarterbacks have left on the field, um, including another one um, on, on Saturday by by Casey Thompson. Um, early in that game and so I I really think that you know the the contact courage that that Steve Sarkeesian talked about with him is there he he's got the physical toughness too uh, was hobbling through most of that game and and he's clearly a guy who's um, bought into the program right now when there are a lot of questions um, about about where um, a fair amount of this team is um, mentally coming out of you know this this five game losing streak and um,
0: these kind of major meltdowns that have um, led to it. Yeah, Xavier Worthy already top 50 in Texas history for receiving yards right now. He's 11 touchdowns this season. Um, already a top 50 receiver in, in UT history. He's kind of, I think before he finishes his time in the 40 acres, he's going to be a lot higher in top 50 probably probably top 10 um, any other quick positives from how quick positive I, can't believe I even just said that but anything from that Kansas game before we kind of get into uh, injuries maybe some stats you wanted to go over yeah I thought Marcus Washington played well again um, two touchdowns for him
1: five receptions for 100 yards he's really come on in the last couple weeks Texas obviously has desperately needed that uh, with the lack of, of proven depth at that that, that position injuries attrition uh you know the recent departure of joshua moore last week obviously looming large um you know the other one i thought casey thompson played well he had um you know the fumble early in the game and, and then the interception late in the game uh when i think he there's a little bit of miscommunication with xavier worthy on on where thompson anticipated worthy to go uh but thompson you know three uh 30 for um Forty-three passing, three hundred and fifty-six yards, uh, six touchdowns. You know, you just look at those at those raw numbers, and and that's not a game that Texas should you know lose against a team like Kansas. Um, you know, obviously the four turnovers and, and poor start you know played a big role there, but um, just tremendous toughness um, shown by Casey Thompson. It was clear at times that you know his accuracy and ability to really drive the football um, just aren't really there because of that thumb injury. Um, but right now. You know, with continued struggles from Hudson Card, uh, he's the best option that Texas had, and um, they're going to have to ask him to, to continue playing through that uh, thumb injury for the rest of the season, whether that's, um, you know, two games or or three games.
0: Yeah, and he's played an injury for probably the last four and a half games dating back to that injury against Oklahoma, and he still leads the Big 12 in touchdowns. He has 23 and the second leading. Touchdown thrower in the Big 12 has 16, which is Gary Bohannon. So he has a seven touchdown lead, and he's been injured. He, I mean, if, you, if you watch, the, they, they did a good job in the ESPN broadcast uh, in the color commentator I can't remember his name, but you know he showed the effect that having that bandage and that injury around his thumb, and that's a pretty big bandage. If you saw that Westcott, it's not just a quick little band-aid. I mean, that's a significant obstruction uh, to throwing the football. So. And it and it did look like it did look like he um
1: took a little bit of that bandage off um, you know, during the game. But yeah, I think um you know it's interesting when when you talk about Thompson's season, clearly um, he hasn't been consistent since that injury. He's had some times when he, he looked outright bad, like he did against Iowa State. Um, but at the same time, as you mentioned, if you look at the entirety of his work, especially compared to his peers at the position in the Big Twelve, it, it's clear that You know, he's still having um, a pretty remarkable season and uh, one of the better seasons for a quarterback um, at Texas since the departure of Cole McCoy, of course. Not a high bar to clear, really, David Ash in in 2012 and and Sam Ellinger the last several years. Uh, But, you know, Texas has has really needed um, Tom Thompson to play well. He hasn't always hit that mark. um, But given, you know, the, the mess that, you know, Hudson Card looks like, on the field a lot of the time. Um, you know, it, it really could be a lot worse for Texas right now, especially considering
0: um, really, you know, the inexperience of Casey Thompson heading into this season. Hit Thompson second in the Big 12 in QBR, just behind Skylar Thompson with that thumb injury. And yeah, Hudson Carr, probably a good quarterback at a school like Alabama with, you know, playmakers around him in, in a solid offensive line. But speaking of Casey's great season, uh, let's talk about someone who's having a bad season. That's uh, Pete Kwiatkowski. His defense absolutely shredded by Kansas. I mentioned in my preview form that the way for Kansas to stay in this game and, and pull off what I said at the time, improbable, was third down conversions and controlling the, the time. And at the end of that game, Kansas was 11 for 17 on third downs, but 8 for 9 in that first half and finished the game with 35 minutes of possession versus Texas 24. So 11 more minutes with the ball, converting third downs was key. And really Texas no, it could not stop the run game. Kansas finished with 218 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Where are you at right now with this Texas defense and PK? Yeah, it's it's frustrating right now. I'll, I'll
1: just run through like a, a couple numbers here. Um, you know, Kansas converted 64.7% uh, of their third downs against Texas, including eight of nine in the first half. That was their second highest conversion rate all season um, against Oklahoma. They converted nine out of 13. Um, they'd been really bad in the previous two games, 0 for 13 against Oklahoma State, three for 13 against Kansas State, only 36.1% on the season. Um, that's barely in the top 100. Uh, seven drives into the Texas red zone, they scored touchdowns on every single one of those. Uh, their touchdown rate this season, even after that, is only sixty-four point five percent. They hadn't; ha- they'd only had two other games where they converted all of their red zone um, drives into touchdowns, and that was one drive against Baylor, two drives against Texas Tech. Otherwise, they've had games where they've really struggled to score touchdowns in the red zone. That's one area where the Texas defense has actually been good this season. They were not against Kansas. It's extremely disappointing. It's been a bad – it's been a bad performance um, for Pete Kwiatkowski and and his defense this year. You know, we talked a lot about, um, you know, the too high safety look. Texas um, at at least one point, you know, walked up another safety into the box, immediately gave up a 58-yard run to Devin Neal, when Luke Brockermeyer completely lost contain on the edge, um, so those issues with with run fits, um, you know, being able to play with schematic soundness, uh, not there. And I thought, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about um, the need to fire Pete Kwiatkowski after this season. Um, it would be kind of expensive. I think that there are some revealing answers from Steve Sarkeesian about that today. He said that no one from the administration had has told him. That he needs to make coaching changes yet, um, certainly that's a conversation that, if it was going to happen, would most likely happen after the season. I wouldn't necessarily read a whole lot into that particular comment. Um, one that I thought was um, a little bit more direct in addressing um, any potential staff changes on the defensive side of the football was when Sarkisian, you know, was talking about the lack of continuity. Texas has had, you know, Pete Kukowski is now the third uh defensive coordinator in in three seasons three different schemes um for these texas players who are third or fourth year players um he believes that the lack of continuity has contributed to the hesitation that's apparent a lot of times for texas on the defensive side of the ball that has made it difficult um for them to fit plays up correctly and so um you know that really tells me that he doesn't think that that pk is a problem he said that the coaches that he hired didn't forget how to coach overnight um You know, I I think that's a a believable claim. Um, But just based on on what Sarkeesian said today, I don't think it's likely that Texas is going to replace their defensive coordinator after this year. Um, And I I think, you know, the the argument for continuity, um, you know, is is a strong argument. And, you know, Texas obviously, um, you know, needs to add some talent there on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, I think, you know, having the same scheme in place for two years is um, valuable enough that it's worth keeping a coach with the, the track record that Kwiatkowski has.
0: And one more note on that press conference today, Sark was asked about roster turnover and what he thinks next year could look like. And he said that he expects over one third of the roster to have new players next year. And I think that's kind of why he wants to keep his same staff. If you told me next year this time that no one was fired or let go, you know, I I would understand why. And like he mentioned and like he spoke about the continuity that's something that tom herman talked about you know when asked about getting rid of tar Orlando during that third or fourth season when um, people were clamoring for him to get fired and eventually he did get fired but it's something that this texas football team hasn't had for the last decade is continuity with the coaches it seems like every year you know for herman it was the offensive coordinator that was switched a lot going back to Charlie Strong, too. I mean, how many different – even Mac Brown. How many different offensive coordinators did Texas have in the last 12 years? What, almost almost 10 it feels like? Yeah, you know, thanks to Charlie Strong, we have to sort of talk about the
1: difference between play callers and the actual offensive coordinator in title, which is um, definitely, um, you know, a little bit of insight in, into how screwy things have been. But there has been constant massive turnover for Texas – um, it's been really detrimental to the program, and they they need to get out of that cycle because it, it has a tremendous impact on recruiting. Um, as you mentioned, um, you know there's there's going to be more attrition. That that seemed clear last week after the Bo Davis rant. Steve Sarkeesian really confirmed that this week. Um, if the new rules that are being proposed are put into place, Texas could take 33, so that's eight transfers in addition to the the 25. Um, players out of high school um, that you could take. I, I would think that Texas is, is probably going to go fairly high. Um, I think they're they're going to have to take a lot of a lot of players, um, you know, from the portal. And um, other thing, um, you know, coming out of the press conference today. Um, as expected, injury news, uh, not positive for Texas overall. Dijon Robinson out for the season with a dislocated elbow. Josh Thompson out for the season with a fractured tibula. Uh, Jonathan Brooks week to week with a shoulder injury. Texas is banged up at running back right now. Roshan Johnson had to play through his turf toe injury. Keelan Robinson missed the game due to COVID protocols. He'll be, he's expected to be cleared tomorrow. Um, they do need to get him back um a little bit of positive news on the injury front Uh, jordan whittington does have a chance to play this weekend according to steve sarkeesian after coming back from his clavicle injury broken clavicle that he suffered against oklahoma five weeks ago that would be a big boost uh to the texas wide receiving core
0: yeah hopefully he comes back um UT can definitely use Wellington out on the backfield like they've done a few times this year. Going to be a lot of Keelan Robinson. The Jonathan Brooks injury is tough, and obviously Lewis and Bijan, the best player on the team. Um, and Joshua Thompson, too. I think Thompson's probably been the best player defensively this season. So two of the top Texas players out for the final two games, which may not even make a difference at this point, the way this, has, this team has fallen apart in the last five weeks. But... None of, thing, none of those injury news is good at all. Um, Whittington coming back is good. Keelan coming back is good. Um, nothing on Jacoby Jones, I don't think. We may not see him for the rest of the year with only two I mean, games remaining. Yeah, when he had he had surgery, they thought that was season-ending. Yeah, so uh, not a lot of good news coming from this past weekend. Any other thoughts, Westcott, before we wrap up? And, and we'll preview – Maybe not even preview, but talk more about this on Friday, especially the roster makeup and a few other thoughts. But anything quickly here? Yeah, I think um, Drew Timmy just scored another bucket on the Longhorns. Oh. oh, we even talk about Gonzaga. It's early. It's the second game of the year, brand-new roster. Gonzaga looks like they've been playing together for 10 years. It's like that pickup team in basketball when you play in a pickup league and it's just, you know, they, they look like they've been playing together their entire life, so – not too worried about it. It's early. We we still have a long ways to go. Yeah, certainly. Um, the Texas front
1: court exposed
0: a little bit in that game.
1: Surprised, um, you know, Chris Beard didn't try to double a little bit more frequently. Tried Brock Cunningham on Drew Timmy. Um, that went poorly, unsurprisingly. Uh, Texas still, you know, not really playing at a fast enough pace. You know, Marcus Carr um, struggling a little bit, and I think. You know, one issue that this Texas team may face for all the talent that they have is that um, they don't have a lot of um, NBA prospects on this team. Um, You know, Dylan Dishoub, probably, you know, the one guy who's the best NBA prospect. But, you know, it's it's a team that's full of a lot of good college players, and that may put a little bit of a cap on, on the potential of this
0: team this season, even if they really maximize their ability to come together. Yeah, and Beard's still trying to figure out that rotation. And I suspect it's going to be something that's going to carry into conference play. Most likely not, not much on the non-conference slate for the Longhorns to learn very much. Nope. Northern Colorado, Wednesday night. And San Jose State on Saturday night. You can get in for $2 if you're interested in catching some Texas games. But, hey, it's a lot more fun than watching uh, Texas football. I can tell you that. No question. Well, Wescott, thanks for the time. We'll be back Friday. And of course, winning is still hard. Thanks,
1: Cam. I'll be good.
0: (laughs) Winning's hard, really, really hard.